0: Good morning. It's already quarter after 11. Look at that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Happy Sunday. I hope everyone enjoyed the weather that we had yesterday, the rain. Uh, I know my grass was happy. I'm sure our plants were happy as well. I didn't realize that plants could be happy until I started talking to charity about plants plants can be happy and now sheree and i go around our house saying oh that plant looks really happy today uh even though you didn't realize that but isn't that cool that plants we don't think about that they are still worshiping the lord everything in this universe worships the lord and they can be happy um it's kind of it's kind of a a funny concept to think through. even uh, the, the, Everything worships the Lord. Everything in creation does. Uh, well, again, happy Sunday. Um, it's been a busy week for us, uh, but a really fun week. Uh, we had the River Falls Life Group had a little bit of an ice cream party where the kids had way too much sugar. Um, we, had, we celebrated a birthday party for our, our kiddos this weekend um, and had just a, a fun, fun week. Um, I'm excited to share a little bit, uh, what the Lord put on my heart. And this is, this is kind of a fresh revelation. It happened on Friday night. Um, my sister-in-law who lives in California, uh, was supposed to head back to California. And, um, we had had a busy day Friday night. Uh, we went to the uh, baseball game in River Falls and, and, um, We got back rather late. I was tired. It was about 10.30. And uh, I checked my phone one last time before I went to bed. And my sister-in-law had texted us saying her flight had gotten canceled. Can someone go pick her up? So I'm driving to the airport. And I'm just talking to the Lord. And and the word stranded came up in my spirit. And Priscilla was stranded at the airport. That's my sister-in-law. Um, she was stranded there, and I was like, "Okay, Lord, what are you like? What are you trying to share?" And He started to share some things in my spirit about um, the word "stranded," and I'm going to share a little bit about that today. And it ties up with what I've been sharing the last few weeks. <clears throat> but how many of you seen the movie Castaway? All, all of us, right? Wilson, the volleyball with the handprint on it uh, that became Tom Hanks. Son. if you haven't seen it, It's a story. I'm going to move this cliff. I hope that's okay. Um, It's a story about a guy who works for FedEx. And his life seems to be going in a pretty good direction. He's got a lady. He's going to marry. And he ends up going on this last-minute flight overseas, and his plane crashes. And he ends up stranded on this desert island uh, with... All, the only thing he had was the island and whatever floated onto the island. And he spent several years on this island, stranded by himself. In the course of the movie, it can be kind of slow at times, um, but the, over the course of the movie, he ends up making fire. And there's this scene where you know, he's rubbing the sticks together really fast, and he ends up getting smoke, and he has fire, and he's just like jubilated over this fire because it was a resource that he didn't have uh, that all of a sudden he now has um, and, and you watch him kinda go through this journey of kind of losing himself and not in a not in a sense of like passing away he always he, he, not to ruin the end if you haven't seen it he ends up living but he loses who he is and he kinda of forgets what life is like and he ends up living this life where every resource that he has is hard to come by because he's by himself. And at the end of the movie, he's on this plane back and food is just put in front of him and there's fresh water that is accessible for him. And it was almost like he didn't know what to do with himself because he had gotten so accustomed to living this life of being stranded by himself that all of a sudden he comes back to regular life, and his life had kind of stood still and everything else had moved on. The girl that he was going to marry ends up being married to another man. And it's this whole story about how being stranded totally transformed his life. And there's a, an aspect of that, and, and I, as I was praying about it with the Lord, and as he's kind of bringing this up, we have a tendency sometimes to strand ourselves. Where we put ourselves in situations that, whether we're doing it intentionally or unintentionally, where we seclude ourselves on our own. And the enemy, the devil's number one goal and objective, is to get us on our own. His goal is to seclude us And strand us so that way we have time to sit and think and dwell on things. He knows that if the enemy knows that if he can get us to a place where we're secluded, where we're separate, where we're stranded, where we're by ourselves, that we won't have community around us to pull us out of that. So today, that's really what I want to talk about is how important community is in our lives. I want to take you back a little bit. Um, Sheree and I had just been married, and we were living in Baldwin, uh, which is about mm, 25 minutes? Yeah, 25 minutes into Wisconsin from here. We had been married for about a year and we were going to a church that was a significant distance away and we're really struggling because we didn't feel like we had community. We're this newly married couple in this kind of unique season of life. We were both still in college. So all of our college friends that were still living the college life were doing their own thing and we, were, we had an apartment, we had a full-time job, we were going to school full-time and it, it felt like we were somewhat stranded. We had each other we had our families, but we really didn't have a sense of community. We didn't have people that we were like, these are our people. Um, and at that time, we knew that we needed to make a shift. So Sheree and I started going to church in Menominee, which is where we met a lot of people here. Um, and we instantly had this community of people. And, and that community has since dispersed. I think everyone else has moved to new areas, um, but that, that community is still so near and dear to us because it truly was that I felt like a community that pulled us out of this feeling of being stranded. Community in the body of Christ is so critical. It's so critical. Vital. Yes, it is. Because when you have community around you, Those are the people that speak into your life. Those are the people that encourage you when you've had a bad day. Those are the people that you can pick the phone up and say, I'm going through this. I need you to pray with me. I need you to stand by me while while I'm going through this. That community is what the Lord uses to oftentimes speak into your life. If you don't have that community, you're missing out on opportunity to connect with people who are like-minded to you, and I truly believe that is why the church was created. If you look at you look at the disciples right after Jesus left, the twelve of them spent time with Jesus after he rose again, right? And that time was to equip them to go and disperse. We were a con- having a conversation yesterday. Um, and, and someone had, had said, you know, when the disciples were, were moving about, if they wanted to get, an, you know, get a hold of one of their friends that had moved on, how did they do it? They used to just pick up the phone and say, oh, I'm going to call Joe on his cell phone. No, it was like, I think he went here, so I'm going to write a letter to somebody that I know there to hope that that person's still there. They dispersed. They separated themselves. But they still found ways to create new community. So I want to spend a majority of today talking about the importance of community. As I mentioned, the enemy loves to strand us. If you think about the, you know, one of the times that we know of where he tried to tempt Jesus, Jesus was alone. Alone he was susceptible because he hadn't eaten in 40 days. He had fasted. So you know what it's like when you don't eat lunch. You can get kind of hangry, right? I know that's how I am. If it's 10 a.m. and I haven't had breakfast yet, usually I'm like, bah. So the devil knew that Jesus was in this mental state where he hadn't eaten for 40 days, so he was going to try and take advantage of the fact that he was in that place and he was alone. Yet, when we look at Jesus as our example, Jesus didn't go, Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Give me a cheeseburger. I want this, turn this stone into a loaf of bread so I can eat. He didn't do that. He withstood what the enemy threw at him. And when when we talk about community and we use that as an example, when we're stranded and the enemy tries to attack us, because we all have those seasons in our life where we're separated where we're stranded, where we're, we feel like we're in this dry season, where we don't know which way to go, and, and maybe we, our, our community has shifted, or something has shifted in our life, and, and you're like, what do I do next? The enemy knows that that's when we're most vulnerable. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you're like, man, where are all my friends? I know I've been there. The enemy knows that. He's going to try and use those time times to attack us. But if we look to the word, it makes it very clear what it is. And, and I'm going to start with a verse that many of us know. This is out of the Passion Translation, so it's a little different, but many of you know it in a different way. It, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, Eliza, these aren't up there, so don't worry about it. Um, it says in Proverbs 27, 17, it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens. The character of another, other translation says iron sharpens iron. I think that's what the translation that most people are most familiar with. How many of you have had somebody in your life that is that sharpening stone, that person that sharpens you, right? We've all been there. We have somebody that we know, if we're doing something stupid, sorry kids, I said stupid, if we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, will call us out on it. They'll say, hey, that's not something you should be doing. Right? We all have that person. If you don't have that person, I would encourage you to find somebody. And that's such an important part of community. Because when you are with a group of people that, or, or even sometimes just a singular person that can challenge you to be better, that person is somebody that you want to stick close to. And not in a condescending condemning type of way but somebody that sees your potential sees who you are and challenges you to be better most of us had parents like that that saw the potential that you had and saw the things they need to do and would redirect and course correct and help you along the way they sharpened you they sharpened you so first and foremost having community sharpens you it brings out the best in your character it creates a confidant somebody that when you feel alone comes beside you and says you're not alone you're my friend how can I help you how can I help you if we look at the disciples that was what they were to each other we don't know the conversations that they had when Jesus was out ministering we can try and understand what they were. But I can imagine it was a lot of sharpening because Jesus was very intentional about the community that he built. Not one of the disciples was like the other. They were all very unique, very different. And if you've ever built a team, maybe with a job or as a a coach, you don't want all of the same people you don't. You don't want people that are all cheerleaders. Yeah, this is great. And you also don't want people who are down in the dumps. You want a balance of people. That community, that, that team is so important to have a balance. If you're too offset in one way or the other, things shift in the wrong way. So having someone or some people that can sharpen you is critical. So having community and having that, that, that group of people or even maybe a person that can sharpen. All, and, and I challenge you, if you don't have somebody like that in your life, try and find someone. Ask a friend, hey, will you be my iron? I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to challenge me. I need you to call me at 8 o'clock at night and say, hey, did you do this today? How many of you have ever tried like a diet or exercise program that you know that by yourself is probably not going to knock, you're not going to be able to have the strength to do it? So you ask somebody to say, text me tomorrow and make sure that I worked out. You create that accountability. You create that, that opportunity for that person to say, hey, Adam, did you go running today? That person for me is my friend Aaron. If I'm ever going to start working out, I say, you need to hold me accountable to this. And he'll call me and say, get your butt off the couch and go for a run. Because he is, that's just, that's our relationship. He can challenge me in that way and I'm not going to be like, what are you talking about? Why are you being this way? I'll say, yeah, you're right. I need to get my butt off the couch and go for a run. So having that iron is so important because it causes us and creates us to grow and to be strengthened in our faith and to be sharpened in our faith. Any of you have ever tried to cut anything with a dull knife? It's nearly impossible. Try cutting a tomato with a dull knife. You're going to end up with ketchup, right? It's just going to splatter everywhere. We need to be prepared and have a sharpened knife. We need to be sharp, so that way when the enemy comes and attacks us, we're not fighting with dull knives. We're fighting with sharp ready-to-go things, to walk into battle saying, I know that I am prepared. I am prepared. My weapons are prepared. I have the victory because I know who I am. And I have been encouraged by my community because of that. I think the second thing that community is so important of is it reminds us of Christ's love for us. You might ask, how do people do that? How, how, how does community remind us of what that looks like? And I want to turn to Hebrews chapter, 20, or chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And this is out of the Passion Translation. <clears throat> it says, Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. This verse has been quoted a lot in the last two and a half years in churches, especially Hebrews 10.24. A lot of times you know, it's quoted, Don't forsake the gathering of believers. And, you know, when we think about this in a context of community, just like if we don't spend time with our family, if we don't spend time with our friends, if we don't spend time with Christ, our relationship is going to be not very strong. Yet, when we come together as a community, and in, this, in these two verses, we... in. Encourage each other we motivate each other we are eager to do that because of the love of Christ that we all share I know some of my favorite days of the week are Thursday nights not just because I get to you know we get to to study and learn the word together but it's because I get to be with close friends I get to spend time with people that mean so much to me. And maybe that's not Thursday nights for you. Maybe that's another night. Maybe it's a, a prayer night that you have with friends, or maybe it's you know, a, a dinner that you have with, with your friends once a week. When I am with those people, or when we're with those people, I'm reminded of how much Jesus loves me because of the love that I receive from those people. We can see Christ's love in others as they express Christ's love towards us. And we should be sharing that love not just with them, but with everyone else around us. So community reminds us and shows us of what God's love is. It can be easy to seclude yourself, though. Sometimes it can be easier to seclude yourself, than it would be to build community. And everyone's community might look different. When I was first uh, an adult, when I was 18 or 19, I felt like community needed to be getting together with 30 people and having a lot of fun. And that was where I was at. That was the season of life I was in. But as I've gotten older and my life has gotten busier with kids and and other things that have come up, I've realized that community can be large and it can be big. And, and, you know, we have a large community here. But having those close relationships with people is so valuable. I can have a lot of friends, and that's great. But to me, having those close-knit relationships where I know that if I call somebody, hey, I'm in a bind here. I need help. That they're going to come and help. Hey, we're going to go cut down a tree. I need some help. I know that. Last fall, we lost a giant tree in our yard. Giant. It was a giant pine tree. I, I, I can't even tell you how big it was. The next day, I ha- we had... Seven or eight people that were there in an instant to come and help. And that's what community looks like. That's what the church should be. When you have a need in the church, there should be an, a rush of people that say, I'm there. I want to help. I want to be your community. I want to show the love of God to you. It might not be fun work, it might be backbreaking work but just the fact that you're there. I'm going to share a story. I know Didi doesn't usually like when I share stories, but we had bought a shed last fall. And I was trying to put this shed together by myself, and I was getting frustrated, and it was getting dark, and I needed this shed to be done by the end of the night. Dee comes over at like 9 p.m. We're standing out there with flashlights finishing this shed. And to me, that was such a sign of somebody that cared for us so deeply because Didi didn't have to come over and help. She didn't have to do those things. But because we are community, because we have friendship, Didi's like, yeah, I'm going to come and do that. I'm sure all of you can think of situations in your life that that's happened where you have that person that you can call that can come in a moment's notice to help you. That's what community is. I want to start to close um, as, we, as we continue to, to think through this with this verse out of Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says, So now I live with the confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken His love. Community is so important, but it starts with having community with Christ. We can have all of the friends in the world, but if we don't have a community, if we don't have a relationship that is growing and sharpening with Christ, that's where it has to start. It has to start there in that relationship that's where you grow to give that's where you grow to give if you're not spending time with Christ if you're not growing in your relationship with Christ it's hard to have anything to give to a community especially a community of believers the beauty of it is that we know we can have the confidence that no matter where we are in that journey whether we just started a relationship with Jesus yesterday or we've known Jesus our entire life. There is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing that can separate us from the love of God. His love triumphs over everything. His love triumphs over everything. So as we grow in our relationship with Christ as we spend time getting to know Him, understanding who He is, His principles, His love, His grace, as we grow in those things, we can use those things to grow others in our community. We can use those things to grow others in our community. If you look at a lawn, I, we, I spend a lot of time in the yard, so he use a lot of analogies here, but... Um, when we first moved into our yard, we had a ton of dandelions, and they spread. If you have one dandelion, usually you have ten more that come, and it takes a lot, a lot of time to get rid of them. But if you get rid of them and you plant grass, that grass takes the place of those weeds. So as we spend time with the Lord, He replaces the things in our life that make us frustrated, that make us upset. He replaces that with His love. And that love grows and it flourishes and it takes the place of those things. So now when we get together with our community, when we help others, when we build each other up and we're sharpening others, we're sharpening them not out of our own power, but out of the love of Jesus. That when we are faced with tough situations in life, because that happens, that we know that out of everything that we are doing, challenging that person, giving them advice, helping them, we're doing it from an, a heart of love because that's what's filled us. So we know that when we are stranded, when we, are, when we feel like we're in that place, when we build community around us, we are not stranded. We're not separate. I'm going to call Ann up. She's going to lead us through communion today. Um, but I would encourage you, as we, as we wrap up the service If you don't have community, if you don't have those people in your life, you've got them here. You've got them here. That's what this church is. It's a place where you can come and feel loved and feel like you're a part of a community that will do and stop and and, and do everything they can to make sure that you're successful.